Welcome to Bible study this evening. God bless you for being here. This is Pastor Logan, New Day Christian Church. Um, hope all is well. I trust everyone is doing well. I trust everyone is is uh, trusting God, uh, living safely, and getting into the Word even more. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start this off this evening. Um, we're going to get back into the uh, celebration of disciplines by uh, Richard J. Foster. And, uh, you know, each time I've come to you uh, and each of the other disciplines we've discussed, I said, man, this is one of the toughest ones. But this one might be the toughest, at least up to this point. All the rest of them are tough. Now we've moved into the corporate disciplines, which means it involves other people around you. And it's the discipline of confession. And it'll be a little different than confession that we've talked about and is still very important this is a different kind of confession, and you may or may not like it, but I think there's freedom if we receive it uh, for what it's worth. And I'll make some distinctions as we go along this so that you don't get mixed up in this and, and, and feel like it's, it's contradicting something that has been said uh, before in regards to righteousness. So, with your permission, we will get started. Let's do it. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you once more. Uh, for a wonderful uh, opportunity to come around you and to learn and to study. We believe that the Holy Spirit dwells on, it, on the inside of each one of us to teach us all things and to guide us into all truth. So we thank you for the revelation that will flow forth this evening, unhindered and unchecked by any demonic force. And we ask that you have free reign, even through this vehicle of streaming, that you have free reign, that you touch lives, that you liberate us in our souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so the, the, um, the discipline of confession. So let's jump right into it. And again, as, as I said before, it will sound like uh, it may contradict some things you've already heard, heard me teach, heard me say concerning righteousness, concerning saints versus sinners, that type of thing. But there is no contradiction. Uh, and there will be some, some things that, that may cut you just a little bit but what we are, are looking for is freedom. Freedom is our goal. Freedom is our, our desire is to be set free in all areas of our life and, and, and by any means necessary relative to the Word of God. Now, so I'm going to start out with the, the uh, quote that he quotes uh, by Augustine of Hippo. It says, The confession of evil works is the first beginning of good works. Now, that already some of you are jumping back and saying, What are you talking about? Well, you have to, it'll make sense as we go along. So I don't want to give too much time or attention to that particular phrase, but you'll see it and it'll bear witness uh, with the scriptures and hopefully it'll bear witness with your spirit. But the confession of evil works is the beginning of good works. In other words, some the evil works have to be acknowledged for us to get rid of them and move on into some good works. Um, so we'll get into that in just a minute. So here we go. If you've got your notes with the if you don't, you can go to our page and look for it. If not, uh, some of you received it by way of email. But here we go. Number one, the usual notion of what Jesus did on the cross runs something like this. People were so bad and so mean, and God was so angry with them that he could not forgive them unless somebody big enough took the rap for the whole lot of them. I want to stop right there. And I want you to ask yourself, is that the way you thought about it? 
Have you thought about it in that way, that, that we were so bad, God was so upset with us, God was so angry. He said, you know what, the only way I'm going to give these people a break is that I send somebody down there to do and, and, and pour out my wrath on him because I'm just mad at these people. I can't stand these people. I don't like these people, but I'm going to give them a break. I'm going to cut them a little slack, and I'm going to send my son Jesus uh, to bear uh, their sins, and I'm going to pour it all out on Jesus. Uh, is that what you thought? Because I think a lot of people think of it that way, that they think that God is angry and he's upset with with creation and he's just really to just get, you know, pour out his wrath on us more so. And then somebody said, hey, oh, well, wait a minute, God, uh, let, let me let me uh, let me let me just, please don't do that to them. Let me let me stand in there. If that is your notion, then it. I think you're wrong. And I think scriptures would bear that out. The Bible says that God so loved the world. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He so loved us. It didn't say he was so angry with us that he gave his only begotten son. It said he so loved the world. He loved our dirtiness, our messiness, our backbiting, our murdering, our lying, our conniving, our cheating. Our cheating. He loved those people that did all those things, but he loved us so much. He said, I got it. Get them back to me. How do I do it? So listen to this latter part of this. It says, nothing could be further from the truth. Love, not anger, brought Jesus to the cross. Golgotha came as a result of God's great desire to forgive, not his reluctance. Jesus knew that by his vicarious suffering, he could actually absorb all of the evil of humanity and so heal it, forgive it, and redeem it. Doesn't that, doesn't that just change the way you even view religion or Christianity? Because I think most people are that, that God is so angry, and he's got a gavel, and he's render, ready to render judgment and ready to beat us over the head. And, and, you know, sometimes you listen to ministers, and they just sound angry. You know, they just sound mad at everybody. A little and, and I'm not saying that there's not times where we have to be demonstrative and that the, the expression of the Holy Spirit as he's trying to get us to go in a certain way or, or speak a word into us, that that, that word is not, uh, is not poignant and, 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 and uh, uh, strong. But God is, God, that's not, God, God is not angry and he does not, you know, he's not slobbering and spitting out venom at us and that type of thing. He loves us. And you need that background in order to deal with some of the things that really in all of us still exist in our soul, still exist in our, our, and our, our beat up, messed up soul that was in this world, um, long, long before, many times before we came to know Jesus Christ. And so there has to be a change of that. And some of those things are locked in and only through a matter of confession uh, are they able to get out. So we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. But I want you to understand, because it's going to have everything to do with you being able to come up, come forward or to reveal some things, is that you know you don't have to deal with it in shame. Like you don't have to hide and, 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 be, up and be scared of God. That's not our Heavenly Father. I don't want any of my children to be afraid of me. I want them, them to respect me. I want them to have a measure of reverential fear that daddy has said something and I need to do it. 
And sometimes they don't. I mean, sometimes they, they question that. And sometimes I got to reinforce that upon them that is, I, I'm doing this because it's important for them to learn how to be obedient to authority and know that the true good authority loves them. That's why he's making those types of requests for them. Number two, since Jesus lives in the eternal now, this work was not just for those around him, but he took in all the violence, all the fear, all the sin of all the past, all the present, and all the future. So when Jesus died for us, he didn't die for just the past sins. He died for everything that we would ever do in our lives, past, present, and future. So he took care of it. He, he died for it. But I know, and I think you know as well, uh, because he died, because we've been emancipated from uh, our past and the sin, doesn't mean that we can still up in our soul um, do things contrary to the will of God. And that's called sin. And it's been produced in our soul. It's not in our spirit anymore. It's in our soul. And there's ways of fixing the soul. All right? This was the his highest and most holy work. The work that makes confession and forgiveness of sins possible. All right? So when we have that understanding that it's already been done, it's already been laid out, it's already been taken care of, that I'm not an old sinner saved by grace anymore, I'm not a worm crawling on the ground, but I do have to do something with this noodle. And I do have to do something to get it to conform to my new state of being, that I'm now born again. I, I now have the, the, uh, the, the spirit of God, and, and I'm a new creation, as the Bible says. And so this new creation doesn't want to continue acting like an old creation. And the only way I can get there is by the renewing of this mind. Now listen to this. Uh, number three, some seem to think that when Jesus shouted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was a moment of weakness. Not at all. This was his moment of greatest triumph. Jesus, who had walked in constant communion with the Father, now became so totally identified with humankind that he was the actual embodiment of sin. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that Jesus became the embodiment of sin, the embodiment of every ungodly act, every ungodly thought, every ungodly deed? He became the embodiment of that. He took it on himself out of the love of God so that God could do something forever about sin. He could... Take care of sin forever. And so that being said, uh, we know what he did for us. Now, here's what Paul says. As Paul writes, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. He made, we, we don't understand that sometimes. He, he made him sin. He made him sin. He made him, uh, he made him our greatest antagonist, our greatest enemy. He made him that so that he could put away sin forever. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Jesus succeeded in taking into himself all the dark powers of this present evil age and defeated every one of them by the light of his presence. He accomplished such an total identification with sin of the race 
that he experienced the abandonment of God. In other words, God said, I, I, I can't look at it. I, I got to look away from, from that sin. But it's for our sake that he did it. Only in that way could he redeem sin. It was indeed his moment of greatest triumph. Amen to that. Amen to that. Amen to that. That's love. You know, you know, if 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 a child of yours, don't you think about it this way? If a child of yours were ever to get in some kind of trouble and, and, and you felt, man, I, I don't want their lives to end this way. I don't want them to be what, incarcerated for the rest of their lives. I think some of us would say, you know what? Give me that sentence. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, but give me that sentence and, and give me what would, what, would, what would become to them, give it to me if that were possible. And, and I, I'm almost certain that, that uh, uh, none of us would deem that as an angry person. We would deem that as a loving parent. Man, that, that parent loves them some child, whoever that child is, that would be able to, to, to lay down their whole life laid down their life, served their sentence for them. Can you imagine that? I'm certain there's some parents out there that would be willing to do that so that their children would have a life that they had intended for them to have. And that's how God is with us. God has a life that he intended for us to have. <clears throat> Excuse me. But he had to send his son so that we could have that kind of life. All right? So it was love that did this. Number four, without the cross, the discipline of confession would, would be only psychological therapeutics. But it is such so much more. It involves an objective change in our relationship with God and a subjective change in us. In other words, it's not a mind game here. Uh, something happened and something is able to set us free. It is a means of healing and transforming the inner spirit. But I thought that Christ on the cross, this is another, but I thought, let, let me say right here, when it says it is a means of healing that transforms the inner spirit, the initial work that he did, did that. Uh, the, the, it, it changed our spirit. It changed the man on the inside. Uh, the work that is due now is changing what the Bible would call the soul which is, is uh, uh, the mind, the will, and the intellect of man because that's the part that still needs to be renewed. The spirit doesn't need to be renewed anymore. It's born again. It's new. It's a new creation. But the mind does. And so, and so when he's talking about uh, 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 mind, uh, mental therapeutics or psychological therapeutics, uh, it's not necessarily, well, I, if he means that, then I would disagree with him. But, but basically, he's getting to the point, I think, that the soul of man needs to be changed. The, the, the integration, uh, that separation between the spirit and the soul. The Bible says that we're spirit, soul, and body. You know, I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body. So it's talking about a three or tripartite being of which two, one part has been changed uh, forever, eternally. And the other two parts, the body. We won't be changed until Jesus comes back and gives us a new body. And the mind is what we're going to have to work on. And, and there's a lot of work to that. But I thought that Christ, this is a, a question, <clears throat> but I thought that Christ on the cross and redemption deals with salvation. 
You may say it does, and it does. But salvation, as the Bible speaks of it, refers to far more than who comes to faith in Christ or who gets to heaven. The Bible views salvation as both an event and a process. Now, you've heard me say that before. I didn't, may not have said it in those words, but I've said that because, again, when we, are, when we receive Christ, heaven is made. We don't have to even think about making heaven anymore. You know, we're glad that we're going. You know, uh, we, we don't need to be fixated on it from the standpoint of, boy, I'd be glad when he comes. I'd be glad he comes today because I'm trying to get up out of here. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us to live in this land, to be ambassadors in this land, to occupy in this land until he comes, to live like we're, like we're going to be here forever in the sense that he wants us to establish ground here and, and, and make ground on his behalf. But the latter part of this, he says, the Bible's view of salvation is both an event, that's what we did when we received Jesus Christ into our lives, and a process. And that's the part, the process part, is the part that we sometimes struggle with. We sometimes don't get into the process, that there is a process. God is, it, it, we're in a process. I tell people this, they ask me if I'm saved, I say, yes, I am, and I'm getting saved every day. I'm, I'm getting saved every day. Salvation, as I read the Word of God, is saving me even more. You know, there's one in, in, the, in the confession of uh, where it says, um, Romans verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, it says, If you confess with the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the mouth the heart believes, and with the, with, with the, heart, the, mouth, with the heart man believes, and with the mouth man confesses, or, or whatever, man is saved. Uh, but that word means preservation, healing, soundness, uh, and healing, something else. Anyway, there's about five things that it means. But, but it, it's talking about an overall process that God is going to take us through as believers. So we need to enter into our walk with Christ with the understanding that I'm going through a process. I'm going from glory to glory. I'm going to new levels of sanctification. Sanctification is a definite act but it is also a progressive act. The definite act of it is when we receive Christ, we're translated out of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. The progressive part is getting all that crud out of our soul, getting all that stuff out of our minds, and so that we can actually live a sanctified life, that our lives are actually set apart and lived unto God, and that we are in the world, but we're not of this world that were so very different. And that is a process. Here in Western thought, um, a lot of times you hear people that they're, they're, they are uh, overly um, concerned about, about that initial one. And that's an important one, getting people saved. But sometimes we lose sight of the process of getting saved. We see the event and we bring everyone to the event but we don't go home with them after the event and make sure that the event is able to change their lives later. It's like going to a convention and you're going to, let's, like a, let's say, a, a, a tech a, a convention where they're, they're training you in all types of, of computer um, stuff. You know, I, that's, that's not my game, so I can't even pronounce all the things that is out there. But you go to a, 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 software, a software convention. Well, the goal when you go to that convention 
is to get information while you're there so that you can go and use it later. And so you go to the event, but it's not the event necessarily that changes your life. It is what you do after going to the event that changes your life. And that's how it is with, with, with the Word of God. The event is when we receive Jesus Christ. That was the initial event. But the process is staying in the Word and doing everything the Word tells us to do in order to receive all that God intended for us. And there's a lot of work involved. So, number five says, to, be, to, to converted people, Paul says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians chapter 2 uh, and verse 12. What's he talking about there? You know, if you, if you get saved, you have to work out something. Yes, you do. You have to work out your salvation. you got to stay on the grind. It's a work of grace. In other words, the Spirit of God is doing it. Christ is doing the work. But, but there's work to be done in order for us to... Uh, to live out and, and, and walk like and talk like and live in the image of Jesus Christ. So he said, work out, just like, <laughs> like people who work out, you know, people who go and lift weights. You know, th there's muscles inside there. You may not be able to see them, but they're there. And if some people will work out, they will actually begin to see that there are muscles on the inside. You can't get new muscle. You got to work out the muscles that you have so that they actually look like something. They're not just jelly, that they actually turn into something a little more firmer and a little harder. But that takes work. And that's why there's not many people out there with a lot of muscles or lean because not too many people want to do the work. But the Bible says that kind of working out profits you little. But the but godliness profits you uh, uh, far more, a lot more. And that's what it's talking about there. You know, you see people and they're working out, working out, working out, getting bigger, stronger, all this kind of stuff. But, but their spirits are like little shrimps. They're little, little, they couldn't lift five pounds on a dumbbell spiritually. And so God is telling us to work out, work out our own salvation. Go and, and get up in the morning, just like you would get up to work out physically. Get up in the morning, work out with the Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God. Renumerate in the Word of God. And then go out and practice what you just meditated on. That's called working out. Uh, in a sermon titled, The Repentance of Believers, John Wesley spoke of the necessity of Christians coming into more of the forgiving grace of God. The discipline of confession helps the believer to grow into a mature manhood in the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let me read that again. The discipline of confession helps, helps to believe. It's one of the things, not the whole thing, but it's one of the things that helps the believer to grow into a mature manhood, into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Age, even however long you've been saved, doesn't mature you in the things of God. There are a lot of Christians who uh, got saved 25 years ago and are still on, on, on the delivery bed, on the delivery table, never growing up, never, never able to handle strong meat because they've just stayed the same way. They're still sucking on a bottle and they've been babies now, have been born again now for 25 years and they're still sucking on a bottle because there's work involved. And you can see it. Some, some people, they get saved two years ago and take off.
because they begin to chew and, and work. And, and I've seen it, you know, 26 years now as a pastor, I've seen those who have, have taken the word of God and, and took off, started getting that word, you know, come to Bible studies, hear the word of God, practice the word of God in their daily lives, read the word of God for themselves and just take off. It doesn't mean that they are, they are perfect or anything else like that. It means that they're working out. They're getting it done. They're trying to move. Then I've seen some who have been the same for 20 years. Have been no, no real significant change other than, you know, maybe going to church. But, but, but no significant change, no significant change in attitude, no significant change in the way they love, their love walk, no significant change in the way they give, no significant change in all of those, those uh, uh, measures uh, or, or predetermined marks, whatever you want to call them. I'm kind of lost the word right now. But anyway, there's no, there's no real distinct changes. And, and, and as a teacher, as, as a person who teaches, that might be, if I allowed it to be, it would be one of my greatest frustrations. If I allowed it to be, I try not to allow it to be. The Bible tells me to cast all of my cares upon the Lord because he cares for me. So I don't let that get under my skin. But it does kind of irk me a little bit that you have this wonderful word and yet not do anything with it. This can set you free. This can set your lives free. This can put you in another place. Uh, and, and, and it just it just makes no sense to me how someone can just stay the same way year after year after year. Man, I want to grow. Man, I want to grow, and I hope you do too. I think that's why you're listening to this evening. So God wants us to grow up in the fullness of the measure of Christ. Number six, I'm only got a couple more for you, and then we'll be done this evening. Number six says, "Is it is how is it that confession is listed under the corporate?" discipline. I thought it was a private matter between the individual and God. Again, the answer is not either or, but both and. In other words, uh, confession, it is that. It is going to our Heavenly Father. It is talking to Him about things that are going on in our life. It is uh, uh, confessing our sins to the Lord. Uh, acknowledge, you know, as the Word tells us, um, to, to in, in all our way, or excuse me, if we acknowledge our sins, he is faithful and true to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You know, we can do that to, uh, privately with God, acknowledging our sins. So it is that, it is that, it's that. But it's also, uh, uh, it also this, we are grateful for the biblical teaching underscored in the Reformation that there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. In other words, that that is a, important because before the reformation a lot of people thought the only way they could they could be absolved of sin is to go to a man and talk to him in that booth and 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 tell him all their sins and and there's the man there's man had to have a, a mediator between him and God a, a, another human being so it, it, it and then uh Martin Luther said no well ho ho that that's not right that's that's not that that can't be right righteousness comes through Jesus Christ alone so there's that thought, and I may have got some names mixed up in there, but uh, we all are also grateful for the biblical teaching newly appreciated in our day to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another. That's in James chapter 5, verse 16. Now, now, why would he have put both in there? Why are these both of these scriptures in there 
if both of them didn't have a purpose. So here's, here's a thought. Maybe, just how maybe, God knows that, that we may sometimes need another person to speak to, to confess to, to get something, to shake something off of us. Uh, maybe not everything is just shakable or taken, able to get rid of or cut off of us uh, by just talking to God about it. Maybe the brothers and sisters in Christ have a key that will unlock a door to a particular stronghold in our life. And I believe that's what the scripture is saying. It says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. I think that speaks for itself, that there are some things that we just need to tell another brother, you know, or tell another sister. And, I'm, you know, I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with this. You know, I, I, I can't seem to shake it. And then we expose the enemy. And we don't have to feel shame. And you got to talk to someone who will not assess shame to you either. Now someone will say, mm, you did, you did what? What? You did. You don't want to talk to that person. If they don't understand their righteousness in Christ, if they don't understand that there's no shame, that they don't understand that, that we are now the righteousness of God in Christ, don't share the information with them. They, don't, they won't know what to do with it but assess shame to you. Find someone who can understand it, who will look at you and not even not even bat an eye. And might, after you say it, might share something with you about their own lives. That's who you have to to. to. So that's the type of thing we're talking about here. Both are found in Scripture and neither need to ex exclude the other. So we can talk directly to God as our mediator, but sometimes we need a brother or sister. I know I do. I know sometimes I need someone that I can that, that will come in and 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 speak, and and help me out. Uh, that I need that's something I can't seem to shake. So, here we go. Uh, <clears throat> number seven, and I think this might be the last one. Number seven. Confession. Confession is a difficult discipline for us because we are too often because we too often view believing community as a fellowship of saints and here's what me and Mr Mr uh, uh Foster we would I would say this far different than what he's saying it and I think I'm right <laughs> all right confession is a difficult discipline for us because we are too often view the believing community as a fellowship of saints before we see it as a fellowship of sinners. So, so what I would say to that is I always view believers as the fellowship of the saints. However, I also know that the fellowship of the saints, and these are my outlines here, are also those who have sinned and will sin. Okay? So they're still saints. Just got some old ways still there. I still call them saints, though. We feel that everyone else has advanced so far into holiness that we are isolated and alone in our sin. We cannot bear to reveal our failures and shortcomings to others. We imagine that we are the only ones who have not stepped onto the high road to heaven. Therefore, we hide ourselves from one another and live in veiled lies of hypocrisy. But if we know that the people of God are first a fellowship of sinners, Again, that's not my wording. 
I believe we're the fellowship of the saints who have sinned or will sin. We are free to hear the unconditional call of God's love and to confess our needs openly before our brothers and sisters. In acts of mutual confession, we release the power that heals. Our humanity is no longer denied that our humanity is no longer denied but transformed. Boy, how many of you have felt that way? That man, I can't tell anyone. I can't tell. Boy, they'll think that I am Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde if I tell them this. And, and, and that kind of thinking will many times leave us under the bondage of a stronghold for many years. It, it, it's, it's once a person gets a revelation that I'm the righteous of God and my brothers and sisters are there so that I can at times confess, and we'll get into that next week, that I can confess to them and, and they can operate as a priest and a priesthood over my life. And, and we, can, we can do that together and help one another out and no one will assess shame. You know, the whole issue that we're having really in our nation today and why there's not a lot of cleansing going on is because we want to attach shame to people. We want to attach shame so they don't want to come out of hiding. They, they don't like, we want to beat them up over the head for something that has happened or something that, that, they, uh, that they have done or, or, or have been a part of. And so they're like, hey, I don't know. I'm, I'm not gonna. Say, I'm not gonna say anything. I'm. I'm staying out of the fray. I'm getting out of here, I, as opposed to uh, giving people the freedom to let them know that we are the fellowship of the saints who have sinned. All of us, all of us have sinned, and, and your sin is no bigger, no different than my sin. And to be able to come to a place where we can all confess it, if we can't shake it before God confess it in the presence of a brother or sister or even a group sometime. There's healing in that. We just have to believe the word of God and take that by faith that there's healing in me opening up and saying, boys, I'm struggling. I'm struggling in my marriage, man. I'm not, I'm not treating my wife the way I should. I'm not treating my husband the way I should. I'm struggling as a parent. I'm, you know, I, I just, you know, I've said something to my kid and, or I've just have been neglectful or whatever the case may be. Or I'm struggling with pornography. I can't seem to get, you know, get away from it. It just rolls around in my head. Or, or I'm struggling with, uh, you know, I'm a secret drinker. I, I, every now and then I got to go up under the cabinet and pull me out a, a swig. You know, those types of things. Wouldn't it be nice if you could tell a brother, say, yo, man, I'm struggling, man. I, I got this thing going on. And I'm just be honest. I just need to pray for you. You do it. And it'll break. I'm telling you, it will break immediately. It'll break immediately. So as we close this evening, do understand you can't do that to everyone. Don't go out and tell the you know, whole neighborhood what your issues are. That's not going to work. You need to find someone you trust, someone who has a good foundation in righteousness, understands the love of God, and be able to share with them. And I would leave you with this uh, today. You know, we get into the authority of forgiveness uh, next week. But if there is something shaking you, holding on to you right now, and you can't, you know it. I've been pre pretending in the sense that everything is all right. I smile. I say hallelujah. I say praise the Lord. But man, I am struggling over something. I, I double dog dare you to find a trusted friend who is, knows Jesus Christ, who can receive your information, and, 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 and then pray a blessing over you. And Next week, this, the rest of this week you will be a different week for you. I guarantee you. You'll be so free. You go to church. You go to uh, work, smiling and laughing, and and they're like, "What's wrong with you?" Well, I just had a confession session.
All right. So I hope this has helped you out tonight. We're going to close right now, and uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. Thank you for each and every person. Help us to entreat your word. Help us to, to, be, to be free enough to get free, to be able to confess things to people uh, that we need, that we know that has a stronghold of us, that has really, uh, really got us in a particular area. Find, help us to find a trusted friend. They're around us. We know who they are, but we may have been operating in shame and, and doubting how much you really love us. But I pray, Father, boldness upon those that are listening right now, a boldness to, to just pick up that phone or invite someone for lunch and say, I need to talk to you about something. And, Father, I pray this in the name, the name which is above every name, the name of Jesus. And I thank you in advance for all those who will, be, who will who are start a new walk of freedom this week as they, as they confess those things that have held them down and take full responsibility for them and don't blame anyone else. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, this evening, of course, this is our, our regular Bible study time. We're not in session. We're not in session. I use that word. We're not here this, today. But you guys have been so wonderfully uh, to support this ministry, uh, those who are a part of our ministry, and maybe some that are, are not a part of our ministry, but you've been sowing into this ministry for these past several months. We're so grateful to you. We believe that God is the supplier of all of our need, so there's never any pressure on you to give whatsoever. Whatever you do, you do from your heart as God has prompted you to do so. We believe God. We trust God. God is our helper. God is our support. God is our source. And so uh, we also always want to give people opportunity, though, to give. So if you're so led to do so, um, there should be information on the screen. Uh, you can give to uh, www.newdaycc.com, uh, or you can give, um, and you can get the app. We have an app, <laughs> but we got, we got with it quickly. You can have an app, you can text it in, or you can send it to the church. God bless you. Remember, we'll be back here on Friday uh, for, for our Bible, for prayer at noon, and then we'll also be um, um, uh, Sunday, uh, two services, 8.30 and 10. Some ask if, you're, if our, somebody outside of our ministry is welcome. You are most welcome to come. We do ask that you wear a mask, but you are most welcome to come. And if you just need, you know, we're not ask, trying to steal anyone from any church. I know some churches haven't opened up yet, but if you just need a, a, some fellowship with some other saints during this time, you're welcome to come to New Day Christian Church. We invite you. Uh, we, we, will, we will make you feel as comfortable as we possibly can. God bless you and have a wonderful evening.